So make sure if you want to get baptized, make sure you get baptized. Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. You can fill out the cards uh, that are on your seats, and we'll think about that. We'll remind you as well at the end about it. Uh, but there are cards in your seats that will say, I want to get baptized. So if you want to do that, please fill that out. Amen. Awesome. awesome. So I'd like to welcome up uh, our really amazing senior pastor. She's been away for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, we have missed her. She's been preaching and sharing the light and the glory everywhere else. <laughs> and we're back to share the glory with her. Okay. Amen. Thank you, Kelvin. So, so amazing. I just need someone to put this down for me. Oh, well, there we go. There I can do that all by myself. Look at me go. Andrew has been at my son's bachelor's all weekend, all of Saturday, and only came back this morning, so I'm just seeing him for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking good, darling. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so great to be with you. God is so faithful. I'm just, I'm just feeling I want to take some time. Do you know that the whole presence of God in in that worship, could you, could you feel the breakthrough? I love that word about when Jesus stands tall, everything bows. Now, the truth is everything bows anyway when Jesus walks in, but your heart is under your jurisdiction. So when, when you allow Jesus to stand tall in your heart, then in your heart, those things bow. And so I just, I just feel like I want to clout where Jesus is clouting. You know, I want to hit where he's hitting. And so I feel like there are some people that are specifically battling with depression right now. And you know what, I'm not going to make you stand up because, you know, probably you don't want to be known and you're probably fighting it and, uh, and, and just wanting to be strong in that area. But I feel like God wants to just put a nail in that coffin. So, so we, if you, if you want to be identified, please feel free to raise your hands. But if you don't want to be identified, that's so fine. I want us to pray. I'm going to ask us to stand. Is that okay? I feel like this is just, this is a moment where we're contending for our brothers and sisters. And I'm going to ask you to pray in whatever language you feel comfortable, English, Afrikaans, Swana, Zulu, you, you choose it, tongues, whatever it is. Can we just pray and can we contend on their behalves? Lord God, right now, Father God, we, we are we are so sure of your victory, Lord God. We are so sure of what you are doing, Lord God. Father God, I am right now contending on behalf of every person in this room who is battling with depression, every person who is watching this video who is battling with depression. We declare right now that the line of Judah has walked into their heart. We just declare that those lies must bow. We declare that that feeling of tiredness must bow. We declare right now that that, that wet blanket must lift because Jesus Christ has walked into the room of that heart right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we speak to the chemistry of their bodies and we say, be right in Jesus' name. We speak right now to their thinking patterns and we say, be right in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord God, we declare that their future is bright, that there is hope for them, that every step they take, Jesus has already been there, that he's gone before them, he's made a way. In Jesus' name, we declare that hope into their souls. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen and amen. Oh my gosh, that feels better. Woo! Feel free to be seated, my friends. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. Look what he did in 2020. He took us to the end of our own ability. And what did we find there? We found Jesus. 
we found Jesus, we found his love, we found his provision, we found his grace. And it turns out that it's true. It turns out that it's true, that Jesus has indeed won in everything. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we share around the word today, that your, your grace and your truth would flood our hearts, Lord God. I want more than my words spoken to these people, Lord God. I want, I want the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ imparted into their souls. I want the knowledge of Jesus Christ embedded in their thinking, Lord God. Father God, I'm asking that today we would leave here different from the way we came. I'm asking that today would be a watershed moment for many, Lord God, that they would see differently, hear differently, think differently, act differently, feel differently from this moment moment onwards. Thank you, Lord God, that they came to church. They gave their time to be with you. And Lord God, I ask in response, Lord God, that there would be a dramatic and a life-giving impartation into their souls this morning. Amen and amen and amen. So we are in Exodus. Have you ever found yourself fighting for something that you already had to your embarrassment? Can you remember or can you think of for a moment, hypothetical Bob? Can you think of hypothetical Bob? Get a picture in your mind of a man called Bob. He's hypothetical, but you know him. Bob. Bob is a businessman and he walks into a business meeting, a lunch at a restaurant, and as he's having his discussions, doing his negotiating, eating his steak, he takes out his phone and puts it next to his plate so that he can catch any incoming calls or messages from his secretary, etc. right there next to his plate. He carries on with all the negotiations. At the end of the meal, he packs everything up and heads on out. Halfway to his car, he suddenly realizes, I've left my cell phone on the table, rushes back into the restaurant. My friends, you know the guy. You may have even been him. Rushes back into the restaurant to find his cell phone. It's not on the table. The table's cleared. He rushes over to the waiter. Waiter, my cell phone. Did you see it? Did you see it? The waiter says, no, I haven't seen it. Now he's getting anxious. Someone stole his cell phone. This is Johannesburg after all. Turns to the manager. My cell phone. Someone's taken my cell phone. The manager calls all his staff together. Have you seen his cell phone? No one's seen his cell phone. Now he's getting irate. He looks that manager in the eye and he's got that fighting spirit on. I want my cell phone. Someone in this restaurant took my cell phone. At that moment, there is a sound. It's the sound of a cell phone ringing. And it's coming from the man's pocket. At that moment, he realizes... I put it in my pocket. No one took it. I'm fighting for something that I already have. That embarrassing moment may have even have happened to you in another form or around another thing. But how, how embarrassing is it at that moment when you realize I've been fighting for something that I already have. I've been putting energy into something that I didn't need to. Instead of just enjoying his cell phone, he was fighting for his cell phone. Adam and Eve in the garden. You remember the story. The Bible is so clear. Adam and Eve were created in God's image. 
the serpent came to Adam and Eve and said this. Did God say that you should not eat of this particular fruit? God knows, I'm paraphrasing highly, but God knows that if you eat of it, you will be like him. They ate the fruit to be like God, but they were already like God. They were created in his image. They were, they were running after something they already had because they didn't know what they had. When we don't know what we have, we end up running after things in a way that actually destroys the very thing that we're looking for. Israel. Israel's story is our story. Israel's story is your story. Israel's journey through Exodus is our journey. Israel, in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, cries out to God, and God says, I will remember the covenant I had with your forefathers, brings them out of Egypt with this mighty hand. No Egyptian at that moment would have denied this truth, that God was with Israel. Mighty plagues, parted seas, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, this extraordinary, extraordinary demonstration of God's presence with a nation. God's presence with the nation. They come out in power. They journey through this wilderness. There's manna provided for them every day. There's quails every day. There's water out of rocks. There's spectacular examples of God's presence with them on a daily basis. Every night they can step out of their tent and see a pillar of fire that says to them, God is with me. God is with us. And then they come to Mount Sinai. Do you remember how it was? How God came down on the mountain and all of Israel, all of Israel was encamped around the mountain and he spoke the Ten Commandments out loud to every person. Every person in that nation heard the voice of God speaking to them. Last week you heard Fifi, speak about the tabernacle. Well, what happened is that God came down to Israel at that moment, spoke the Ten Commandments. Do you remember, do you remember the first two? They were important for the where, where I'm going. You shall have no other God before me. You remember that one? God's establishing his authority. This is good for you, for me to be first. Next, God says, you shall not create any image any idol. You remember that? Number two. Number two. What's he doing? He's guarding possibility. He doesn't want the image of himself brought down to a physical form because he wants to be able to be as big and enormous in their minds as he can be. Moses then, once they've heard of this, he goes up the mountain for 40 days again. And there he gets what you heard last week, the pattern of the tabernacle, how he will dwell with them. This tabernacle that they are to build for him. He also gets those two stone tablets that you see so often him coming down the mountain with in comics and movies, with the Ten Commandments engraved on them. He's up there for 40 days. 40 days. Israel, 
Israel encamped around that mountain is now asking some questions. And we're going to pick them up right there. Remember, this is the nation that no one, no nation around there would ever deny that God was with them. You can go to the next slide, thank you. You can go to the next slide, thank you. Exodus 32, the story of the golden calf. That blot in Israel's history. The first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, spoken out loud to them. You shall not create an idol, spoken out loud to them. Moses goes away for 40 days and the first thing they do is break those two commandments. Bam. Let's read from verse 1. Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Can you see immediately? This, this is Bob in the restaurant fighting for his cell phone. This is you fighting for what you already have. This is on a grander and more important scale. Israel fighting for what they, ever ha- what, what they already have. It's like Moses is gone. Is God with us? This giant history suddenly erased from their minds. This panic. What will we do? Unfortunately, they were resorted to doing some things. They resorted to doing three things, and I want to talk about those three things. They wanted to, they resorted to familiarity, they resorted to the popular opinion, and they resorted to victimhood. So we're going to look at them one after the other. And my hope is that by the end of this, you would, you would see in your life the moments that you have done that, and you would, you would find the antidote, the vaccine for that, so that you would be careful <laughs> to live in what you already have. So the familiar, returning to what's familiar, Israel in Egypt, had watched the Egyptians serve their multiple gods with their many, many idols. In fact, there was a cow god even. They had watched how this cow god had been decimated by a plague. As a plague came on, all the cattle of Egypt and they died in the fields and died everywhere. And yet, as they, as they faced this moment of fear, of anxiety, of confusion, of their whole foundations wobbling. As they face this moment, they go back to what is familiar for them. This is the young girl in a moment of crisis going back to the arms of the man in that dysfunctional relationship. This is the young man in that moment of crisis, in that moment of difficulty, going back to the alcohol that he had left behind so long ago. This is us 
in moments of crisis, feeling that pull to the old familiar comforts of past. This is us turning back to those very things that, that were dangerous for us and that God rescued us from. But it's what we know. And because the ground is shaky, because we don't know where we're going, we're looking for something familiar. This is us. Israel's journey is our journey. We've all felt the pressure. As Israel felt the pressure, we've all felt the pressure. What is the antidote to this? As we're talking about vaccines right now, what do we need? What injection of truth do we need to resist this, this idea of bringing down God to our level? Of finding a comfort in something familiar. What do we need? We need to find a new true normal. We need to find a comfort that is God. Ephesians 5 says that Jesus brings the church and he washes her with the water of the word. In other words, Jesus in us is constantly speaking truth to us, constantly speaking his, his ways to us, that, that the word of God is constantly being poured out over the church. How, how do we resist going back to that old familiar? We create a new familiar. We spend time marinating in God's word. We spend time soaking in what Jesus is saying. Your prophetic words, the Bible, what you hear at church. You spend time allowing that to form a sense of normalcy in your life. To create a new understanding. In order to create a new normal, you must spend more time marinating in God's word than you did in the old dysfunction. And then when you are tempted to go back to what is familiar, Jesus will be the familiar. Jesus will be the one you will turn to. Jesus is the one you will cry out to. Returning to what is familiar, they didn't stop there. In verse 2, the story continues. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives and sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are our gods, O Israel, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They just let loose. They just let loose. I want you to notice something because it's going to be important for what I'm about to say in my next point. I want you to see how much effort Aaron is putting into this whole thing. Can we just for a moment note that? He's collecting stuff. He's putting it in the fire. He's making something and he's engraving it. Can you see that? I mean, this is, if we want to just focus on Aaron right now. Aaron 
who's experienced with Israel all this great stuff and with his brother Moses experienced extraordinary stuff, at this moment chooses the popular over what is right. He chooses the popular over what is right. What is this? This is you in your office, in your workplace, choosing to ignore corruption because everyone else is doing it. This is the young man or the young woman choosing to date in a way that the world does. Why? Because everyone else is doing it. This is you choosing to cheat in an exam because everyone else is doing it. This is choosing the popular over what is right. Israel's journey is our journey. There's not a person in this room that hasn't felt that temptation. And I know you. You did what was right. I know you. (laughs) Choosing the popular over what was right. What, What is the answer to this? The answer is, remember whose approval really matters. Remember whose approval really matters. Romans 8 verse 31 says this, If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? God is not deceived. God is not afraid. I love the word that Calvin brought during worship. He's always in control. He's not taken by surprise. God has an agenda on this earth and his agenda will prevail. This is what I want you to know. His agenda will prevail. God in Jesus Christ initiated a kingdom and at some stage Jesus will stand on this earth again and that kingdom will be here in full force. In the meantime, there's ever increasing evidence of his kingdom that we carry into the workplace, into our homes, into the environment. We are the harbingers, the bringers of God's kingdom. Following the popular instead of what is right is like a group of children standing on the beach with water pistols and shooting with all their might at a tsunami coming in. Lots of effort, no effect. There is a tsunami of God's glory, his goodness coming on this earth. And the only question remains, whose side will you be on? Choosing the popular over the right puts you on the wrong side. And here is what I want you to understand. That it's just a temporary momentary gratification. That ultimately God's power is invading. That if God is for you, who can be against you? Just the other day, I, I know I shared it in another sermon. Speaking to a friend. Talking about how she had been in her office place and lots of corruption going on to do with UIF. And she stood up and said, no, I won't do this. She was fired immediately. She went and applied for jobs. She got this interview for her dream job. And they say to her, why did you leave your old place? She put it out like it was. I refuse to engage in that corrupt activity. They said, you have the job. 
that's the kind of people we want on our workforce. If God is for you, who can be against you? Being for God and doing what's right at the expense of the popular isn't always going to be easy. Peter went to jail. Paul went to jail. Daniel went to a lion's den. But if God is for you, who can be against you? This is who we are, church. We are bringers of God's kingdom. We are not people who are just following popular opinion. We are the ones who are rising up in our um, environments and saying, this is God's way, walk in it. We are the ones standing for righteousness. And there's a tsunami wave of, wave of his power and his glory coming in response to our obedience. This is who we are. This is who we are. So at this moment, Moses is up the mountain with God. Getting, I, you know, have you ever wondered how did God actually engrave those stones? I mean, did, did but Moses watch how like a laser light came out of heaven? I mean, spectacular. Just gosh, when, we, when we're standing with Jesus and he plays, plays the replay play reels, there's going to be some fascinating stuff to see. But he's up there having this encounter with God and God says to him, hang on, you better get down there. There's stuff going on there, and it's terrible. I mean, God is ready to wipe them out. He says, you know, let me, let me raise you up. He's ready to wipe out the whole of Israel. And Moses persuades him, no, it's, what can it be? Can it be that bad? Can it be that bad? And God says, okay, well, we'll, 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 we'll work with this. Moses takes his two tablets heads down the mountain. Remember, he's like, he's quite calm when he's with God. Gets down there and sees what's happening and loses it. I mean, he throws down those tablets. I mean, he is like, grabs that golden calf. He says he burns it, grinds it to powder, puts it in water, and makes them drink it. Take that. What is your problem? 40 days and this is what we get. doesn't stop there. He says, who's with me and who's with God? Who's with the tsunami wave of God's power? And the tribe of Levi comes and stands with him, and then they go out and they kill the people who have been engaged in this idolatry. It's just, it's just, Moses is mad, stinking mad. But before the worst of this retribution, he comes to his brother, and he says, brother, let's read it. Verse 21. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, listen, guys, this is like the funniest piece of scripture in the entire Bible. Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. It's not my fault, it's their fault. For they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man you, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. It's not my fault, it's your fault, Moses. Carrying on. So I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. I mean, it's like, it's the people's fault, Moses, it's your fault, and it's the fire's fault. I am absolutely innocent. 
I am just a, a victim of their, their problems. Me, I was just being good, good old Aaron. And look what happened. And out came this calf. Remember how we read? He engraved it. I mean, he was putting effort into that car. Right now, it's like, I don't know what happened. It just, just right there before me, there was that calf. The other way that we mess up in a circumstance like this is that we choose victimhood over victorhood. We choose victimhood over victim, victorhood. I don't even know if victorhood is a word, but now it is. If I say it enough times, gets into the English dictionary. Victimhood. My friend, I know, I know some of your stories. And really, some of you have been through some rough stuff. Some of it, not even your choosing. But the beauty of the gospel is this. You are never, ever, ever, ever a victim. You are never a victim of your circumstances. You are never a, a victim of the people around you. You're never a victim of popular opinion because Jesus Christ is your victor and he's already gone before you and made a way. Choose victory, not being a victim. What does that mean? It means when you're challenged, you say, yes, I messed up. But my value is not determined by how well I do in life. It's determined about, by Jesus and how well he's done in life. Therefore, I can, I can be honest about my mistakes. I can receive his grace to change. Have you ever wondered this? Adam and Eve in that garden, when God came to them, and Adam said, that wife you gave me, can you see how it started right at the beginning? What if Adam had said this? Oh, my word, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I fall at your feet. Please forgive me. Can we try again? I mean, this is the question I'm asking Adam when I get there. I mean, what would have happened if Aaron just said, Moses, I'm, you know, you're right. Gosh, what got into me? I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Please forgive me. Hel I'll help you grind that calf. It makes a difference when you realize that in God, you actually are in charge of the outcome of your circumstances. You can't always control what happens to you, but you can always control your response. You can always control your response. I want to read a particular scripture to you. And I've written it out there because it's so powerful and I don't want to just refer to it. I want us to actually see it with our own eyes. It's Romans 8 from verse 35, and it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every time I read that scripture, I just sit for a moment. 
because it's so majestic. It's so life-giving. It's so powerful. There is nothing. There is nothing created that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There is nothing. There is nothing. Even your own failings cannot separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Towards the end of April 1989, the greatest man alive at that time, Andrew Gosnell, got down on his knees in front of me. He had this beautiful gold ring with a single solitaire diamond on it. And he said this, will you be my wife? (laughs) I said, yes. You know, he handed me that ring If you wonder why I'm not wearing it now, it's a sad story. I went running one day with it in my pocket. We are working on that second one. It's on its way. But let's go back to that first one. When he handed me that ring, I hadn't paid a cent for it. I hadn't worked for it. In fact, I didn't even have a job. I didn't even have a salary. When he handed me that ring, he had spent all his time slaving, working, saving up, laboring for that ring. But apparently his love for me was so great that he was prepared to hand me his victory that I had done nothing for. He was prepared to hand me his victory his labor, his trial. Though I had done nothing for him. 2,000 years ago, a man hung on a cross. He labored. He worked. He stood in front of your sin. He looked into your heart at the pain and the grief, and he took it. He he looked at the unfair wars, the unjust systems, and he said, take me. Throw everything you have at me. And he won. And he won. And he forged a ring. An eternal ring in his love. And he kneels before you and me. He kneels before you and me. And his love for us is so great that he is prepared to give up everything that he worked for, hand it over to us as if we had done it. He is prepared to give us his great victory that cost him everything. And all he's asking from you and me is a yes. All he's asking from you and me is a yes. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, there is no place for victimhood in your life. There is no place for victimhood in your life. There is a God who is kneeling before you and he's handing you a victory that you didn't work for, you didn't slave for, 
He's just asking you to say yes. Of course, there's a giant way in which you did it once long ago. You said yes to Jesus, or perhaps you haven't. We can remedy that right now. But on an ongoing basis, that love is continuously pouring out victory that you didn't When we stand before our shame and our guilt, our response is, yes, I did it. But Lord, thank you. Thank you that I can receive your forgiveness and that I can walk in a victory that is not mine. I can walk in a victory that is not mine. So my friends, can we pray? Jesus, for everyone here, for everyone here, I want to pray first of all, Father God, for those who forgot that God is with them, and they have been fighting, fighting and scrambling and trying to get everything together and work it out, and they forgot to enjoy the truth that God is with them. And they felt anxiety creep in and they felt their joy creep out. Lord God, I want to pray for each one of them now. And I want to remind their souls, greater is he that is with you than he that is in the world. If God is for you, who can be against you? That nothing can separate you from the love of God. And my exhortation for each and every one of you is to marinate in his word. Marinate in the truth longer than you've marinated in the pain and the heartache of the past. So that your future will be filled with the victory that he's handing you. That your heart will be prepared for the giant yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, there are those of you who are battling seemingly impossible odds. Can you just raise your hand? I, wa I want to stand with you for breakthrough. If you, if you are facing things, thank you, that are just too hard, just keep your hand raised if that's you. Difficult things. Lord, 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 would you kneel before these? Father God, you are kneeling before these, but would you let them see it? Would you let them see it? Would, would they see that ring in your hand? Would they receive the courage and the capacity to move forward? Would they receive the next step, Lord God? Father God, you're probably not going to show them everything, but would, would they become familiar with your love so that their faith and confidence would rise up and they would confidently be able to take the next step? Lord God, I pray for their souls right now, and I say, arise, be strong, receive the love of Jesus. Don't look at your circumstances. Hear, hear the direction of the Spirit and do that. Hear the direction of the Spirit and do that. I speak to your soul and I say your future is bright. Your future is bright. And I speak to everyone whose hands not raised. And I say to you, be strong and courageous. There is a kingdom coming with you that cannot be stopped. There's a tsunami wave of God's glory, power, and goodness following your obedience. Well done, my good and faithful servants. 
Well done, my good and faithful servants. Ah, continue. Make Jesus your home. Continue to walk in the right that you know at the expense of the popular. Ah, thank you, Lord. I can just feel the presence of God settling right now. So I just want to be true to that. And if you feel like you would just like someone to pray for you, just raise your hand and one of our ministry team will come. They'll lay hands on you on your back so we will be COVID friendly. They'll have their masks on and they're just going to release the power and presence of God in your life. So if you just feel like you want to touch from heaven, won't you just raise your hand and one of them will come and pray for you. Thank you, Lord. There's some hands raised. Ministry team and Leaders, won't you just go ahead and find those people and pray for them? Thank you, Lord. Church, if you believe that, won't you stand up?
awesome. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, every one of you. Please don't forget to sign up for our Christmas services. That will determine where we do them, how we do them, depending on how many people. So you should have gotten a link, uh, an email that gives you all the Christmas services. So please go ahead and sign up for those. If you haven't got them, please speak to one of our leaders and get your name onto our database so that we can send you the links. Otherwise, great to have you. Have a glorious week. Those on the live stream, we love you. See you next week. God bless. Did I not fiddle?